0: Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications, and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Cindy, I'm so happy to introduce you today to Drew Neiser, who's been a friend of mine for a long time. And he started his career in consumer products and then moved into B2B. And he ran a really fine agency out of New York City called Renegade Marketing for 30 years and now he's just one of the most active people on LinkedIn. He's got wonderful live events and he's been named one of the top voice people on LinkedIn which is really amazing and sometime we should probably get him back onto our podcast to talk about the future of LinkedIn but today we've asked him to come in and, and talk about the future of B2B branding. So
2: let's bring him in and welcome him, shall we? Hi guys, uh, Cindy's Ruth, nice to see you. And thank you, by the way, for doing this. I know how much work a podcast is, so I appreciate uh, the effort that goes into this. So I'm delighted to be with you.
1: Thank you. As a fellow podcaster, I, I know you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, thank yeah. you. You're a little intimidating too,
0: knowing that you're so highly ranked in podcasting. So hopefully, your this discussion will rank highly in your uh, <laughs> in your critical thinking. Um, thanks so much for joining us. And you know, as an avid B two Ber like Ruth and yourself, um, I'd like to kick us off and just um, get us started. But, you know, in my experience, B two B marketers seem to focus. Uh, really heavily on BD, you know, business development and lead gen, demand gen, or whatever it is that's feeding, you know, the constantly needy sales machine. Um, Why should branding be an essential part of their strategic thinking?
2: Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. Um, I would say that if, and I think it stems back to the CEO and the investors, because often the CEO and investors have no experience in marketing. Like less than eighty percent of C, uh, less than twenty percent of CEOs have ever spend any time in their career in marketing. So one, huh. immediately they have no knowledge of actually how marketing works and what it can do. So that leads them to say, "Okay, drive demand," and what they really mean is capture demand. If, Right, which is the 5% of the folks that are in the market at that moment. And as you correctly point out, it's a huge problem. And to me, it's one of the reasons that turnover has increased, uh, the confidence in marketing has uh, decreased uh, because that's one aspect of marketing. And if you put all your eggs in demand gen, uh, you are really going to be a very ineffective CMO.
1: Hmm, just that's wonderful out. i i love that because that puts that piece in the perspective that it it deserves and i wonder are there any companies that you see doing b2b branding
2: right that yeah, you admire I, it's let's put it this way it's really hard to find great b2b case histories <laughs> it's really, really work. And um, so I'll take the ones that I see, even if they're not as imaginative, um, I'll take clear and broad reach. like A a company like Coupa, for example, um, kind of created a category called business spend management, and they put a lot of energy into business spend management. And then they started doing sponsorships and they got the word out about it. So You know, category creation is an interesting and complicated area, but I admire the fact that they consistently for six, seven years stayed with the same idea and kept expanding the reach of the program. Because so much, again, we go back to the first part of this thing, which is if you only focus on demand capture, your reach is minimal you're not expanding, you're not reaching the people that you need to reach, and you're not owning any brain space. So while I'm not necessarily pointing to the creativity of the Kupa one, I think they win on clarity and consistency and and reach. I have other examples Mm -hmm. that might help. Yeah, You just said
0: something really, I mean, everything you say is brilliant, but um, what's so interesting and to me brilliant about What you just said about branding here, clarity and consistency over creativity, because so often we think the brand is successful because it's clever, it's creative, it's memorable, whether it's, you know, all of the, you know, kitschy things that we see sometimes brands try to do. And we will sometimes say, well, gee, B2B brands are so boring. Sometimes they are, but what's really interesting about what you said is clarity and consistency, slow and steady wins the race. Could could you share a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're trying to look the most of marketing is not going to close the sale, <clears throat> but it is going to, in the ideal thing, set up the opportunity for a sale. So first of all, people have to hear of you. So, And the only way they hear of you is that they hear of you multiple times through multiple channels over a long period of time so that you etch into the steel of our brains, right? You own some mind space. And so clarity and consistency, it's nice. I, wa- I want to know who you are. That's Koopa. What do you do? Now, the, the magic is when you can get a differentiator in there with the how and the why, right? right? But still... Business spend management. Well, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, okay. Well, there's only one company that for six years has been saying business spend management. That ultimately sets you up. Okay. Well, maybe that's something I need to talk to them about.
1: So See, this is sounding really like consumer branding thinking.
2: What, what's different in? Q2B? Uh, so I think the difference is that you've got an 18-month sales cycle. You've got 15 right. people on the, on the buying committee. Uh, you're not going to have the person that you're talking to. The one person is not going to be the buyer necessarily. So it's a much more complex uh, process. So it's not enough to just do business spend management and call it a day, but you have to have a place to start. And that's where B two B brands can learn from B two C is the clarity and the consistency and um, the simplicity of a you know well crafted you know I call it purpose driven story statement but th- that very few brands have those can articulate their brand in eight words or less very few of them ha- and even if they do have that they'll call it a tagline and nobody in the company knows what it means and how to repeat it mm-hmm. so well, uh, yeah.
1: Do you have one in mind that you could share fewer than eight words?
2: Yeah, and I write about this in my book. Uh, It's one of my favorite cases, Uh, and I'll I'll give you two quick ones. So one is Case Paper, and this is Uh a paper company. They've been a family-owned business. They've been in business for eighty years. What could be about commodities? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, they had a long history of having a sense of humor as a brand, and they're differentiator is service, which in theory is probably not that much of a differentiator. But So they went with um, a purpose-driven statement called on the case, and they spent a year (laughs) training their employees on what on the case meant, reliable, resourceful, and responsive. And so it wasn't just, hey, answer the phone quickly. It was solve their problems, be resourceful, do all these things. Really simple. But then they put the on the on top of the case in case paper. So they created a visual pun. They messed with their own logo. And all of their advertising and recruitment advertising has a wicked sort of dad sense of humor. Neat. Cool. And, and they that. win in recruiting. It's unbelievable how effective it is in recruiting. They win in client uh, relationship maintenance because they have a se- sense of humor. Um, The other brand that I just point out was differentiated from the day one by design. The brand is called Wasabi, W-A-S-A-B-I. And their purpose-driven story statement is hot cloud storage. So boom, Wasabi, hot, got it, connected it, cloud storage. So it's cloud storage that's somehow hot. I don't know what hot means, but I'm interested. Wasabi is a very memorable name. So they created a way of creating... Uh, sort of memorable name from the get-go and then this sort of what they do and then a mystery about it and they've Mm. had a lot of fun with hot cloud storage and and so forth and this brand has grown and for in just a few years to uh i don't know if they're at a billion yet but they're close wow impressive wow well you know um
0: Drew, you're just, um, you just—you have so much passion and we can hear it and the way you um, explain things, it's wonderful. You have said that your job is to inspire B2B greatness and, of course, Ruth and I love that and all of us that are in B2B uh, admire that. Uh, tell us how you're doing
2: this and tell us more about this cool CMO huddle. Sure. So, uh, Almost everything in a bit, I'm doing now is it's all around how do we help and enable B2B CMOs to sort of realize their best selves, if you will, and and be the best and and so CMO Huddles, which we founded in uh, April first, 2020, brings together now over 350 B2B CMOs in various ways, primarily virtual. On the most pressing topics, match them with their peers, all sorts of different ways that we support them. And I'll make that really simple. Uh, We have the, our, if you will, our tagline is share, care, dare. Our Mm. inspired, you know, purpose-driven share, care, dare. Um, And the dare part is inspiration, right? The sharing is bringing them together. The care is, hey, come to this community and contribute. Be part of it. Share, care, dare. Uh, And that gets reinforced every single week in a recap that they get from me that gets a 90% open rate because I spend a lot of time thinking about what am I sharing that will, in fact, inspire uh, greatness every single week. So that that arrives in their inbox. And hopefully that alone um, will get them thinking about something. By the way, I just feel fortunate. I get to sit in on conversations among CMOs every single week. I mean, how lucky am I?
1: And I bet they really appreciate the community that you've built for them. It's a lonely job, isn't it?
2: It is. Thank you for uh, pointing that out. It's terribly a lonely job because yeah. uh, you know for the first, nobody else in the C-suite has any experience in marketing, um, and it's up to the CMO to have this broader vision that it goes well beyond DG and employees and customers and prospects and and media and analysts and influencers and there's a lot of different things they have a lot more levers than demand capture going back to your first question mm, and good and point. and so it's lonely uh if you want to talk about those other things
1: <laughs> yeah so i'm bet, i'm guessing that you also talk about trends in your cmo huddles what, what trends are you seeing for the the near and mid term future
2: so the the last six months have been ugly and uh, in b2b land i mean there has been a recession in most b2b industries and so it's been really hard um to sort of be positive about this market over this last six months so let's assume six months from now interest rates go down marketplace goes up spending goes up uh I think there's so many different things happening right now that are exciting. Obviously, Gen AI is number one, two, and three, <laughs> but, but not from a content <laughs> creation standpoint. I think that's the least of the important applications that B two B CMOs need to be thinking about. It's about strategy. It's about you know iterations. It's about uh, gap analysis. It's all these other things that it's it's. Using it to analyze data—it's just so amazing what it can do—and that's going to transform the way people think about their departments and their structure. You know, I don't want to just turn this over to marketing ops or sales ops. Uh, You know, how do we use these tools collectively, not just individually? So that's that's one big thing. I think the other big trend that's sort of not shaking out the way it needs to, which is. Remote work and hmm. and figuring out because there's all sorts of studies that show that folks that were hired during the uh, pandemic or beyond are less loyal to the companies. Obviously, why? Because they don't bond with their employees. So now what? Um, and so how are you going to overcome that? And it isn't about having more Zoom happy hours. Uh, so <laughs> there's some serious thinking that needs to go on in terms of how you build teams uh, and build culture and build and build internal sense of brand
1: wow that's so interesting you know and I think of a CMO I'm thinking about mostly the market the competition the product and service offerings and maybe their uh, interactions with the C-suite but you're focusing on management and personnel and teams an area that I'm so glad you brought up.
2: It's, I mean, a a marketer, a leading marketer needs to spend less time in marketing and more time leading an organization. They are, in theory, they're, they're an executive that's responsible for growing the business, right? And so they've got to be thinking up here. And if they don't have strong number twos, I mean, I can tell you the absolute single... A characteristic. If you want to know if you a successful uh, CMO is, look at their six direct reports. Are they all ready to move to the next level? If yes, yes they're gonna. The, that CMO is killing it.
1: Mm. Wow, what a
0: great this
1: idea!
2: So interesting,
0: Drew. Um, you know, for many of our audience, they're not CMOs. They could be aspiring to be in the CEO. Or CMO role in the future. Maybe they're mid management today. Um, they have some direct reports, you know, supervisory responsibilities, but um, you know they they're not there yet. So th- you know the vision for them is uh, individual contributor versus starting down the path of taking on some of this management and leadership skills. Um, where would you direct somebody who's at that level? In their career, which many of our listeners and our students are at WVU, um, you know, to learn the skills— are they hard skills? Are they soft skills? You know, where does that path start?
2: You know, I I, I would highly recommend they read this uh, Liz Weisman's new uh, most recent book, Impact Players. Because what it will do is it frame and say, yeah, if you're head of demand, you got to do your demand Jed, But think about your plus and how you're going to have an impact on the bigger organization, and that means you need to understand how the business. What is the business? The primary objective of the business usually it's to get customers and keep them, right? <laughs> and and so you can have an impact beyond that. And so we know Gen Z all have side hustles. I'm just saying you should have a side hustle in the organization that connects. More than just the department in your day job. And and be prepared to sort of tackle and lead. And it could be, uh, let's say it's an ESG initiative or it's a DEI initiative or it's an innovation initiative that crosses. You know, one of the things I talk about in my book about is in the last is about experimentation and having money aside for that. But run an innovation day. Go to your CMO and say, hey, I think we really ought to have these innovation days or quarters. I would like to lead it. And that forces you to work with product and forces you to work with research and forces you to work with sales and, and you know gets you out of the tasks that you're responsible for. Because you're not going to get to the next level unless you can show that you can think beyond whatever your, your job description is. Great advice.
1: Sounds like a great idea. And maybe we should give you an opportunity to tell us the name of your book.
2: Oh, okay. Sure. It's called Renegade Marketing, 12 steps. Oh,
1: yes, of course.
2: Uh, building unbeatable B2B brands.
1: Great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Drew.
2: Oh, my pleasure. And again, thank you too for doing this. That's such important work. And uh, again, I know how much it, hard it is to do it. So kudos for sticking with it and, uh, and making it a fun experience for me. So thanks.
0: And for us. Thank you so much, Drew. Wow, Ruth, wasn't Drew just fabulous as our guest today? That was so interesting. I would like to kick off our conversation since I got to ask the first question. And he was—he um, gave us such a great response. You know, so often with brands, we think they have to be creative, right? But his focus on clarity and consistency versus creativity, you know, slow and steady wins the race, was brilliant, really was.
1: And it reminded me a little bit of the, the theory about customer experience marketing. Where you want to capture their attention and then give them a consistently clear and satisfactory experience over time until yes. they buy or buy again.
0: Yeah, I mean, we get tired of our own messaging right. and our own branding way sooner than our Customers do, and certainly way sooner than those that are just in market in our identifiable universe. Because, you know, that whole expression when you have children, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, you know, don't stick your finger in the electrical socket. (laughs) Right. Because people don't hear it when you first say it, how we said repetitive, over again, reinforcement across all your channels in a consistent way that we have to remind ourselves and not have short attention spans as it comes to our um our you know our, our brands i thought that was really terrific statement he made there
1: and it actually resonated or kind of extended out of his point earlier about how demand generation really only applies to a tiny fraction he said 5% of the market, the potential market that's really already ready to buy. And that it's the other 95% that we're going to be impacting. He said, marketing sets up the opportunity for a sale. And that's that other 95%. Right. You seen, I'm just um, worried though that those same CEOs and investors who are expecting the demand capture that he talked about are the ones who are going to have to be persuaded that influencing and providing a a clear and consistent message over time or experience over time are going to be willing to pay for that.
0: Well, I agree with you, Ruth, which goes to how we're always beating the drum of a smart KPIs. Uh, Branding comes with it, a set of KPIs that are measurable, and if you can show incremental gain in this area of, um, you know, awareness, capture, influence, engagement... Engagement. Right. Then, you know, we're not just sitting there saying, trust me, we contribute to the sales cycle because we know yeah. the salespeople never will give us that credit.
1: And it's especially but- important in B2B where, as he, as he reminded us, we've got long sales cycles, large buying committees. And so it's even more important, you might argue, in B2B to consider brand strategy than even in consumer.
0: Yes, and to stick with it is harder in B2B when all the different stakeholders may have different points of view. Think about, Ruth, I know you've published this a lot about how many people are involved in the sales cycle or decision cycle in B2B.
1: And I also loved his point about building the eight eight words or less statement cindy oh my goodness didn't that resonate um it's so simple he called it a purpose-driven story statement hmm but eight words man once you've got it it's just so crisp and and accessible but getting there man right
0: yeah, I, I, I was so impressed. I loved the case, <laughs> the case about case. Case paper, yeah. Uh, the case paper wasabi and of course his own CMO huddle, share, care, dare. But um, any of us who've ever been involved in, in a brand or rebrand uh, know how painful and difficult this is. It is really, really hard to distill down to eight words, everything that your brand means. And um, it's brilliant when you hear it and sounds so intuitive, but it is really hard to get to this. Um, And, you know, you're going to have people involved in this process who will have absolutely no interest in this, don't understand how important it is. Um, so yeah, I was very impressed with the examples he gave us and and know how hard that work is.
1: Exactly. I was thinking that in eight words, we have to deliver not only the benefit, but a clear idea of who is the target and who, and why we're better than the competition. (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) it's a lot to pack in.
0: It's just now when you look at a brand who's done it well, it gives you greater, um, I think, um, respect for how hard that process was. So that was a terrific point Ruth, that he made. You know, he also, it was interesting when he talked about um, how do we, build and look at the trends for the future. Mm. And and I know he spent time talking about how we have to be leaders and not just, you know... Marketers. Marketers stuck in our tasks, individual contributors. If we're going to be taken seriously, we have to lead, not just be task-oriented.
1: Yeah. I I wonder how many of us Marketing professionals who love thinking marketing thoughts and solving marketing problems really have the the appetite and the skills to enter the C-suite. It's a completely different mission and different set of skills, isn't it?
0: It is, and I think you know. You saying appetite is probably the most important. I mean, honestly, Mm -hmm. it's a very daunting and lonely place, is it not? Like he said, and you said, uh, being a CMO, you know, it's you may or may not aspire to that. And many of our listeners um, and our you know students in the uh, WVU programs um, are mid-career, maybe you know, like and not at this level, and that's A-OK, right? How he gave us some good ideas for how to move your career forward, be more influential. You don't have to be or aspire to the C-suite. Um,
1: but so you can I'm going to run difference. out and get this Impact Players book that he mentioned, as well as his own book, Renegade Marketing. That idea of getting a side hustle inside your company, what a cool Idea it would keep keep us fresh and also help us build our networks and our connections across uh, horizontally across yes. the, the company so important. And this is why, of course, you know the remote work topic came up. Nobody's really clear, are they, on what's the long-term impact of of the way remote work is taking hold in our company, uh, in our country
0: or globally in some ways remote work has opened up the world for many of us in b2b and in other ways it's made it extremely difficult to manage so yes i agree i don't think that the this has been decided i think this is evolving for most companies and for most of us as we look to see where we want to you know where we're going to be remote in person etc but but thank you
1: yeah, what I was going to just wrap up by saying one thing we can conclude from our conversation with Drew Neiser is the importance of brand in B2B marketing thinking. And we have some tips from him for how to approach it. So thanks, Drew.
0: Thanks, And thank you, Ruth, for bringing such a terrific guest onto our show. Thank,
1: thank you, you, Cindy. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons,
0: hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu/mc today to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.